You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 29th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. I hope everyone had a very happy Memorial Day, a little bit of a long weekend. Uh, I hope it was a long weekend for you. wasn't for me. I had to work work this weekend as I as I always do. But uh, uh, happy to be back here with the podcast here on a Tuesday edition. Like I said, we're going to start our draft pre our draft coverage really heavily today. Today I'm going to give you my first stab at a mock draft. So get excited about that over the next 30 minutes. But before we do that, of course, there are some congratulations to hand out. Congratulations to the Cleveland Cavaliers for making the NBA Finals. LeBron James in his eighth straight NBA Finals. We all know who the last team to beat LeBron James in the Conference Finals is. If you don't, you need to listen to this podcast a little bit more. Also, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for winning Game 7 against the Houston Rockets. And we have, once again... The Warriors and the Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. I'm going to give you my preview for the NBA Finals uh, probably on Thursday's episode of Locked on Magic. I'll give you my prediction, what I think is going to happen, some matchups to watch and all that jazz uh, on an upcoming episode. Yeah, we're going to scale back to the national scope, but there are better places to go probably to get your information about the NBA Finals. Locked On Cavaliers does a great job covering. Locked On Cavs does a great job covering the Cleveland Cavaliers, one of my favorite Locked On podcasts. Locked On Warriors does the same for the Golden State Warriors. And of course, if that's not enough, you can check out Locked On NBA for a complete national perspective on these NBA finals. The Warriors and the Cavs, part four. Plenty to get excited about, even though we've seen this matchup over the last three years. Going to be a fun final series. It always is a fun finals series. I don't care who's playing. It's going to be a good time. And we'll crown an NBA champion in a couple of weeks. Be sure to check those podcasts out. You can find Locked on Cavs, Locked on Warriors, and Locked on NBA by searching for them on iTunes. Just like you can for every single podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. Any NBA team, any NFL team, and a growing number of MLB teams as well. Just search for Locked on and the team you're looking for on iTunes for a detailed daily podcast just like this one on any team you are looking for. Like I said, though, today and and, and maybe throughout most of this week, we're going to take a more global view. We're going to kind of scale that camera back and look at the bigger picture and, of course, bring in the magic when we need to here as well because it's all connected. And right now, the focus for the Orlando Magic until they get a new head coach is on the NBA draft. Now, there's nothing new on the coaching front, so we're going to focus today on the NBA draft. Like I said all last week, today I'm really going to begin my heavy draft coverage. Uh, you're going to see a lot of draft stuff on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I wrote about Trey Young last week. I wrote about Wendell Carter Jr. over the weekend. Talk about those prospects in more detail very, very soon. Um, I've talked about the point guard position on, uh, on a few occasions, but now we're really going to get into the thick of things. Draft player profiles are going to start going up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. So every day we'll profile a different prospect, both first and second round prospects, that the Magic could be looking at. We looked at DeAnthony Melton uh, on t- on today, today, so be sure to go to OrlandoMagicDaily.com and check that profile out. But to start things off, it, it being Memorial Day, it being a big, big day, I wanted to get the global picture and, and just get it out there, just a first dry kind of run through the NBA mock draft and how this draft could go. This isn't gonna, you know, this isn't necessarily taking into consideration what I post on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. 
isn't necessarily taking into consideration any reports or rumors of who's interested in who quite yet. Um, certainly, I took some of that into consideration. It's, it's still very much more my opinion and more what I think or what I would do if I were those teams rather than what they might actually do. Now, when I do a mock draft further on down the road or how I adjust that mock draft, that's when those elements will probably get into play about, okay, this team isn't going to think like I think or they're not going to look, they probably view this player better than, than I do and, and and so on and so forth. And then I think I, I definitely disagree uh, with the kind of general consensus in, in a lot of ways. I'll focus specifically on the Magic's pick in just a moment, but let's run through my top five, at, at least as a, a starting point. I've said this, and then I, of course, I'm going to break my rule here. I've said this a million times. I've said this to everyone on Twitter who, who continues to doubt him. Luka Doncic should be the number one pick in this draft. He is, I think, the best player in this draft. I think he and his agent are rightfully using their leverage to try and get a favorable situation or, or get him to a place that, that they prefer. Uh, but I think Luka Doncic is the best pick in this draft. Um, I think that he has obviously performed at a high level. He's ready to, to contribute immediately to any team. I think that he would help change any team's fortunes, especially the teams that are picking at the very top of this draft. I think that that he is just a, a very, very solid player. Doesn't have the athleticism, may not ever be a great defender, but he's just very smart and he knows how to use angles and he knows how to pass the ball and he just knows how to play. He just knows how to be better than the opponent, than the person in front of him. Will he be a super-duper star? Probably not. And I think that's the reason why the number one pick is starting to lean toward, and, and I went ahead and pulled the trigger on this, it's why I think the Phoenix Suns will end up taking DeAndre Ayton. I am a DeAndre Ayton fan. I, I want to make that perfectly clear too. I think that Ayton is a supremely talented player. A lot of athletic potential, a lot of upside, great around the basket, does almost everything you could ask for from a center. He's got a developing jumper, one that is encouraging, great post game, just likes attacking the glass, likes getting rebounds, and I think that's a good thing. The big concern with me on Aiden is his defense. I, for one, think that he can learn how to play defense. I don't think that the instincts are just, or, or, I don't think his defense is instinctual yet, but I think he can learn it. I think that that he can he can get it down. And so while he struggled a lot defensively at Arizona, I think that there is plenty of room for improvement. He certainly has the physical attributes for it. Phoenix is loaded at center, but I think that Aiton is, is probably going to be their pick. I, I think that the, the NBA logic says Aiton is the guy that, that has maybe a higher ceiling than Doncic, uh, but is more apt to, to make an impact now as well as reach that ceiling down the road. So... I have Aiton number one. I'm sticking with Doncic number two. I know Sacramento already has De'Aaron Fox, uh, but you could play maybe Fox and Doncic together for a while, or you could pick one eventually, and I'd honestly pick Doncic, um, even though that means you wasted draft pick last year, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I I think that you just can't pass on Doncic. Um, he's just he's just so good. Um, you know, he's a Euro... He, Euro Euro League is the second best league in the world. Um there's the NBA, and then there's EuroLeague. EuroLeague's probably two notches below, but EuroLeague's better than the NCAA. This kid, 19 years old, playing against men, playing against other professionals, won that MVP. Again, I cannot speak highly enough about this kid. I think Phoenix is insane not to take him. But that's me. Um, Aiton and Doncic, as I've said for a very, very long time, are probably the two best guys in this draft. Uh, I, I don't think anyone penetrates that. And so I think the draft really begins at three. 
I currently have the Atlanta Hawks taking Muhammad Bamba, and that's because I'm particularly high on Bamba, and I'm also particularly low on Bagley. I would take Jaron Jackson over over Marvin Bagley here as well. Um, I think that adding a center, I know Atlanta already has Dwayne Dedman uh, on a decent deal, um, but Bamba, his his seven foot ten wingspan, his his length is really hard to ignore. If if the if his development of his jumper is true. He becomes a really, really good player, and I think Bomba is the kind of player that's going to kind of shoot up draft boards and, and really convince someone to take him. He seems like a really, really good kid, really smart kid. He likes to play chess in his spare time, which I think is a really good thing. Um, he is obviously putting in the work to improve his game. He's got to continue to get a wider base and and and, and grow. But at that, but you know, honestly, you don't need a post game in the NBA. You just need to be able to roll to the rim, protect the basket, and yeah, maybe pop open for a three. And that's what Bomba is able to do now. At four with the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm taking Marvin Bagley. I am not a Marvin Bagley fan. I think that he's very, very athletic, very, very gifted around the basket, um, great offensively, but his lack of a jumper makes me wonder, where does he fit in the NBA? You can't play him at the five. He's I don't think he's big enough to play the five. You can't really play him at the four because he's not good enough on the perimeter to spread the floor, but Memphis might be the kind of team that can get away with it with a Marcus Sol still there, if he's still there, of course. Uh, and then, of course, the biggest issue with Marvin Bagley is his defense. Um, I, I, I am, I am a big detractor of his defense. Uh, I've watched, I watched him play defense a few times, and it just looked like he didn't care. Um, you know, and, and, and that's harsh for me to say, but Duke played his own defense essentially because they couldn't do anything with him. They just needed to simplify his responsibilities, uh, and he still really struggled. I saw teams attack his zone and just overload him and and make him try and do things defensively. And you know, where Aiton, I think. This is where I fall on that defense divide. Aiton, I thought, tried to make the right play, but was maybe a hair late or, or a couple or maybe a step late. It, it, it took him looking at the play, reading it, and then making the decision rather than just making the decision. It, it, again, like I said with Aiton, it's his defensive instincts that are the problem, I think, not his necessarily defensive technique or his defensive ability. I think he has that. Bagley just does not seem to seem to want to play defense. And I think that's a huge issue, especially for a, a guy that you're going to be building around, number one. And number two, especially a guy that um, is, is kind of out of position. I think 10 years ago, Bagley's probably the number one pick. Um, I think how he plays without a, a, a real reliable jumper, especially from the outside, how he plays doesn't fit the modern NBA anymore, especially with his size. I don't think he's a center. I think he's a power forward. Four, five at Dallas. I think Dallas is taking a big. I think they want Bamba. I think they're hoping Bamba falls to him, and he very well might. But if Bamba's not there, and I say this about all, honestly, except for Bagley, I would say this about all these guys, the ma- the Magic will be tripping over themselves to get get him. Jaron Jackson Jr. is my pick at five for Dallas. Um, I think Jackson has a ton of upside. I really like his potential at the center position. Great shot blocker in college, really eager defender, really versatile offensive player, was able to put the ball on the floor a little bit, work from the high post, as well as hit some jumpers. It's just all very, very raw. At Michigan State, I felt like he was a little over-eager to make blocks and make plays. Maybe that was the role that Tom Izzo wanted him to have, just go out there, kind of cause chaos, just go flying around. You can rein that back in, and that's why I think I'm encouraged by what Jackson can do. Outside of Bomba, he has the biggest wingspan in in the draft, and I think that he's just a very, very, very good player, uh, potentially a very good player moving forward. 
uh, and someone that you can build a defense around a little bit. Not maybe to the extent that Bamba can, but where this is kind of where I fall on Jaron Jackson, why I really like him as a prospect. Um, and it isn't a, a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none issue. If Bamba is all defense and Marvin Bagley is all offense, Jaron Jackson's probably... Jaron Jackson and Wendell Carter are probably the two guys in the middle. And that's why I think they're very high-value prospects. They, Jackson has more upside. I think he can continue to grow into his game. His game is not as as well-polished or defined, but I think that he can take his game to another level. Um, but... Uh, and to a level to get to maybe defensively where Bamba is and offensively where Bagley is, where where I don't think Carter can get quite to that level. And that's why Jackson's ahead of Carter. Um, but Jackson's a very, very raw prospect that, that will need some time to develop as well. And so with Aiton, Doncic, Bamba, Bagley, and Jackson off the board, who will the Magic take at six? If you've interacted with me on Twitter, whether it's at R underscore OMD or at OMagicDaily, you know I tend to take uh, a devil's advocate position with a lot of things. And, and I think I've said this throughout this whole season and throughout this whole draft process, that the Magic are going to be left with good options no matter where they land. Um, we, we've had articles written on OrlandoMagicDaily.com about the Magic's need to find a star. And that star very clearly focusing on Trey Young and Michael Porter Jr. Both are available here. I, If you, if you want to go the safe route, if you want to go with the guy that's going to produce immediately with still some room to grow, of course, because these are young guys, but safe pick that's going to contribute immediately, help, help you know, kind of develop a culture a little bit, help really kind of kind of grow uh, the team and, and fill some gaps. Wendell Carter and Macal Bridges are still there. If you want to take a reach, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, Colin Sexton, Kevin Knox, they're all there. And if Trey Young gets taken higher than people think, then you end up with Jaron Jackson Jr. or Muhammad Bamba. Or if you like Marvin Bagley, Marvin Bagley, I suppose. That, to me, again, is why I think the Magic are in an okay position. And now, yeah, it'd be nice to have one of these other bigger names that, that maybe we're talking about here. And, you know, honestly... The guy that I take at six is is no... I don't think he's necessarily worse than the guys that are drafted ahead of him. They're all on even playing field. I Honestly, I would say pick three through seven or eight are about the same skill level. And that's why I was never super worried about where the Magic were picking. Yes, you want the option. Don't get me wrong when it comes to it. But I, I, I always liked the options the Magic would have regardless. And so it is saying that that now you have to sit in the chair and make the decision. Who do you take at six? Obviously, we still have about four weeks to go before we actually have to make this decision. But in my first mock draft, I will put whatever weight I have or whatever you know thinking that I have behind Trey Young of Oklahoma. Yes, I know Trey Young does not fit the typical profile that, that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond want, namely length and versatility. Trey Young is a point guard. He cannot play anything else, and his defense leaves a lot to be desired. He'll never be a great defender. He can be an okay defender. I mean, Steph Curry turned into an okay defender, but he's never going to be a great defender. You're going to have to surround him with better defense. But this isn't about that. This is about A, Making life easier for your other players. B, finding a player or potential player 
who can create and draw offense in a modern style. This is about finding a player who you can build an offense around, bail you out at times, go off at times, something the Magic really haven't had, and change the whole dynamic of the team. Let's be honest. Even when the Magic had Victor Oladipo, did they really have a first option guy? When the Magic drafted Victor Oladipo, everyone kind of figured he'd be, oh, he, he could develop into a nice 3 and D player. He could be, you know, a, a, crea- a creator, like a Dwayne Wade light. That was really what people thought. And, and when the Magic got him, it's like, okay, he can create maybe a little bit more than we thought, or he can score a little bit more than we thought. But he wasn't a game changer. Trey Young is a potential game changer. The Stephen Curry comparisons, I think, are unfair to him. That's not who he's going to be in this league. No one can be that. But really, for him, from looking at him, he is the first player since Stephen Curry to enter the NBA that plays like Stephen Curry, that can shoot from anywhere past past half court. That from the moment he touches the ball, the defense has to spy him. They cannot lose contact with him because they will make him, he will make them pay. And even if they do, he is such a gifted passer. I, I, I say this every time I talk about him. You can talk about the scoring. Led the nation in scoring with 28 points per game. More impressive to me is that he led the nation in assists per game. And it's not even just that. It's how he got those assists. I remember, I'm a Northwestern fan, so Northwestern played at Oklahoma in December. And I remember, I was at a Magic game actually, watching this game on ESPN2. And I remember thinking to myself, every single pass that Trey Young has made has been put directly into his teammate's shooting pocket. This is a game where he still had like 28 points, and, and Northwestern couldn't corral him from beyond the arc. So he'll go off and, and make four, five, six, three-pointers. Again, when was the last time the Magic had a player that did that? That could just go off in an instant. Orlando thought they were getting that with Vince Carter in 2010. They really haven't had a player that could just go off in an instant like that, just go on a tear since Tracy McGrady. This is a guy who creates for others. This is a guy who... Again, defenses have to react to. And that's more and more what this league is about. Trey Young can pick and roll a team to death. Trey Young will get out in transition, pull up for three, and just bury a team. And more often than not, and I think this, again, it's not a selfish thing. He makes the right play more often than not. Yes, the turnovers are a concern. He led the na- just like he led the nation in assists, he led the nation in turnovers. But I don't think the turnovers will be as big of a problem because he's not going to have a 30% usage rate in the NBA. He's not going to see constant double and triple teams. They'll come, but he'll have better teammates around him. He'll be able to make them pay, and he won't always have to carry the scoring burden. Aaron Gordon's going to go for 40 every once in a while. 
And so when I look at the players available to the Magic here, I'm a big Wendell Carter fan. I've been getting in arguments with people about it over the weekend. I think Carter will be a very good pro. But I do agree with everyone that says, not necessarily that he's just Al Horford, because Al Horford's a freaking all-star. But I do agree with people that say he's never going to be a first option. And I think that's the big issue with Wendell Carter, is he's very, very good, but nothing about him stands out. I like Macau Bridges a lot. I think he could be a great 3D player. But the Magic don't need a 3D player at 6. They need a star. They need a core piece, not a rotation player. And Michael Porter Jr., that back injury scares me to death. If his back is 100% healthy and everything else checks out about him, you might take him over Trey Young. But I think in this NBA, with the way the league is playing, Trey Young just feels so much more valuable. And so if Young is on the board at six, provided none of the not, not, provided like Bamba isn't there, or Doncic, or Ayton, or even Jaron Jackson, I take Trey Young. I don't know if that's the direction the Magic will go, but if I were in charge with the draft board set up the way I have it set up, Young is where I go because he just adds so much to this team. Honestly. I'm not afraid to say if the Magic stay healthy and you just added Trey Young to this team, they're probably a 36-37 win team. They're not there yet. And, and, and obviously Young would be a rookie. They're not there yet. But they're a much better team with him or with the possibility of what he can bring. And so that would be the direction that I head if I'm the Magic. Let's close out the lottery here. You can see my full first-round mock draft on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, with the seventh pick, I have the Bulls taking Wendell Carter. I think he'd be a good pair with Laurie Markkinen, although Markkinen probably isn't mobile enough to play the four defensively. Using Markkinen as a stretch four and Carter as the five, I think that's an interesting twin tower duo. They can both possibly stretch the floor out to three-point line. I think Carter's really, really good. I think he can help anchor a defense, and so um, I would definitely consider going that route with with uh, with uh, Wendell Carter at 7. Um, at 8, I have the Cavs taking Macau Bridges. That's kind of assuming LeBron's going to stay. Macau Bridges is tailor-made to go to a winning team. If he doesn't go to Cleveland at 8, he'd fit in really well with Philadelphia at 10. Um, he's tailor-made to just come in, make an immediate impact for a winning team. He's like a Courtney Lee plus. Um, so I would definitely uh, look for Bridges to go in that top 10 to one of those two teams. I don't think they'll pass him up. The Knicks I have taking Michael Porter Jr. That'll be their big swing. Go get a guy who's obviously very, very talented, has the back injury, uh, is recovered from the back injury, um, but very, very talented player. I think he would fit really, really well as, as more of a ball handler attacking off of Kristaps Porzingis. Start surrounding him with, start surrounding the rest of them with shooters. Um, you know, you got Frank Dilakina, of course, playing defense, but start surrounding them with shooters, and then I think you might have something interesting in New York. Very, very talented player, just a little bit of a risk, too much of a risk for me. Philadelphia, I have taken Kevin Knox, Tampa native. Um, really an interesting player. I think he's a good athlete. Um, still got a lot of refinement to his game to go. Led Kentucky in scoring. But I think the more interesting Kentucky prospect is Shy Gilgis Alexander. I have him going 11 to Charlotte. I have him over Colin Sexton at the moment, uh, especially for Charlotte. Assuming they keep Kemba Walker, you can play as Shy Gilgis Alexander off the ball a little bit. He can hit the three. Um, I think his big problem is just 
being a big point guard, um, he, he kind of loses control sometimes or doesn't always have the point guard mentality that you want to see. So um, I, I like him overall. I like him as a prospect. I, I just don't know if he's a long-term starter for a team. Uh, I have the Clippers taking Colin Sexton and Miles Bridges at 12-13. and 13. Um, Clippers just pr- kind of trying to reload there. But interesting, a lot of Magic fans have discussed maybe trading down from 6 to 12-13. and 13. I don't think the Magic do that. I don't think the Magic trade off of 6 unless they are getting back a quality starter that they will have for 3 or 4 years. And that's really not going to happen. Again, I'd rather just have Trey Young. Um, I, I, I'm re- I think Young can be what the Magic need him to be. Um you know, maybe not super duper star, maybe not Steve Nash or Stephen Curry, uh, but certainly enough to keep the team relevant or make the team relevant again and and put them back in the right direction. But if the Magic were to trade down to twelve or thir- twelve and thirteen, um, if you take Colin Sexton and Robert Williams, I think you've done okay. Williams is a good shot blocker from Texas A and M. Never really progressed offensively. Good rebounder, so just a very defensive minded center. Um, fits I think fits the NBA game a little bit better than the college game. Uh, but um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not in love with any of those players. I'd rather just take Trey Young. So I, I think trading down is just not the right decision for Orlando. And finally, at 14, I have the Denver Nuggets taking Lonnie Walker, defensive-minded wing from Miami, um, able to get to the basket, uh, but uh, really needs to develop his three-point shot if he wants to kind of stick in the NBA. That's my lottery again. I have Aiton going one, Doncic two, Bamba three. Bagley 4, Jackson 5, Trey Young at 6 to the Orlando Magic, Wendell Carter to the Bulls at 7, Mikal Bridges at 8, Michael Porter Jr. at 9, Kevin Knox at 10, Shai Gilgis-Alexander 11, Colin Sexton 12, Biles Bridges 13, and Lonnie Walker at 13. Some notables, or at 14. Some notables outside, just outside the lottery, I have Robert Williams going to the Wizards at 15, Anthony Simons at 16 to the Suns and Zaire Smith at 17 to the Milwaukee Bucks, some other players of interest for Magic fans. We'll have plenty more coming up on the NBA Draft over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Our draft player previews have just started. Uh, Ricky Skricka did DeAnthony Melton on Tuesday, so be sure to check that out. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, uh, really interesting prospect. Had to sit out the year because of an NCAA violation, um, but a uh, really interesting athlete, a potential player that the Magic could take at 35 or 40 one in the second round. So definitely a lot to consider. Have to go deep on the draft. You never know what can happen. Um, you know, the Magic are probably already working out players, already interviewing them. It's just not leaking to the media because nothing leaks to the media. Um, eventually, they'll get a coach too. That will help with some things as well. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You, of course, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast and listening device. Be sure to subscribe there and give us a five-star review. Let us know how we're doing. Let the world know how we're doing as well. You can also you can also follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic and check out our website, LockedOnMagic.com. I have some more nuggets on my, uh, my, uh, my mock draft here, my first mock draft as well on LockedOnMagic.com. Be sure also to follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including an interesting take on Jonathan Isaac's rookie year, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter at OmagicDaily and like us on Facebook at OrlandoMagicDaily. I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Magic. Until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.
You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 